Ba-da-ba-ba. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm, the only podcast where every week is a brand new concept. I'm your producer, Ben. Your director, Matt, is here. And what a hound diggery dog of a show we got for you today. It's five stars under 50. Matt, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I had <sighs> a great weekend. How are you? I'm doing pretty swell. I didn't have to work on President's Day, which was me a surprise neither. to me. Who knew that people still celebrated President's Day? That's awesome. It's a banking holiday, baby. Yay, banks. Yep. Yeah, I, I had uh, I had Friday off as well, so I had this whole Friday, Saturday, Ow! Sunday, Monday off. Look at this Mr. Nice. High Roller. Yes, it's definitely a high roller status that provided me with my days off. High roller. Couldn't be, couldn't be anything else. Well, everyone, thank you for enjoying to this week's Big Boy Potty. If you Ooh. would like to be our biggest fan and dethrone our current reigning, defending, longest reigning, biggest fan, Brennan, all yes. you need to do is message us on our socials, which Matt, of course, is. Uh, I'm at Dr. Gore Wizard. Ben is at Smash Enigma. And if you want to get to both of us at the podcast, at Fourth Times a Charm Official on Instagram. We are regularly active. I, I get on there and respond to everyone who comments to us. And please let us know what you thought of our most recent interview. Um, it was a absolutely wonderful time. And a shout out to Clarissa for being such a wonderful guest. Yeah, Clarissa's awesome. Uh, shout out to Clarissa. We want someone to fund the Lunch Ladies full-length yeah. movie. Also, shout out to Hal Masonberg. We want him to get the rights to... Uh, the plague, the real we will plague, continue. get his version out there. Continue to to, to and, write and to also Sony and gems. also pre-order those bone-crushing wrestlers from Jack Slime at Figure Collections and Cella Toys. Yeah, if yeah, you get those. would like to be our biggest fan, please just enter and message us on some form <laughs> or fashion. Make sure we can see it, and make sure that for this week, it says five star homie. A what? Five star homie. Are you sure? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be also sure. I'll also accept knock knock who's there. Ooh, well Matt, if I didn't <laughs> know any better, I'd think that has to do with today's five stars under fifty movie. What? No. Knocking. Ooh, so knocking is a two thousand and one Swedish horror thriller. About a woman's journey directly wait, 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 after leaving. We're not going to like go into the... You're not going to do the sub intro? The sub intro where we do like yeah. a... Where we talk for seven minutes? No, we don't need to do that. I mean, if you don't want to talk about your week, that's fine. I don't, I don't well, have anything to say either. But you, I mean, know, I, you still got to introduce... Great dinner. Hey, this is five stars. You already said that, though. You kind of already snuck it in in I, like I, a like, subversive let in, way. I let in, but I thought you were going to give an actual intro. Anyway, I don't know. It felt it felt a little it felt it felt a little challenged. I felt a little okay. a little knocked on the door. But you still went there. Um, I did go I made, there. I I made steak burgers on Ooh. a griddle. It was awesome. We uh we ate out at a new Chicago restaurant. Oh, we ate out at a old chicago restaurant that's been around for a little bit and a brand new one um we ate at elsk which is a lovely restaurant in the west loop of chicago for valentine's day uh did a wonderful infusion of kind of like a swedish mixed with like american 
uh, fine food. Um, also, Ben, I, I met a gentleman that might know you. I don't know if he does or you would or not, but he is one of the head chefs at RPM Steak. Mm, no, not RPM. No, okay. not RPM Steak. I know uh, people from other lettuce restaurants, but no. RPM Steak is just a delight. I mean, the way he describes the experience of his of the restaurant is wonderful. But Oh, have you not been to RPM Steak? I don't think so. I think we went it, to the it's RPM Italian. You you would know. RPM Italian is really good. RPM steak is just as good, but like $1 sign higher. Ah, just yes. really good steak dinners. Very by the basics. They but have like a super well. good millionaire's potato. The fuck's a millionaire's potato? Which is loaded up with like truffle seasonings and Ooh. such. Really nice. I'm really, I'm into that. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. The other uh, new Chicago restaurant out there, because we occasionally talk about food on this podcast, uh, is the Armitage Ale House. And fun fact, Ben, do you remember the the like French bakery on Armitage that I once recommended you take a date on and the date didn't go well? Yes. Yes, yes. I do. So that place is now in an absolutely incredible um british uh indian pub in uh infused uh restaurant oh that sounds great it is one of the best restaurants i've eaten at in the city of chicago um some of the best seafood i had a green seafood curry um and they have these uh roasted date cakes and uh hot chicken pot pies and the chicken pot pies are built around a uh a bone of bone marrow so that as you eat, you can kind of like scoop out a, a piece of the bomber and add in or push it through and incorporate it into the whole pot pie. Well, that's so funny, Matt. We made chicken pot pies over Valentine's Day. How was that? It was a lot of fun. That's nice. You know, realistically, since the last last week was an interview, we didn't really do our seven minutes of vamping. So we have like two weeks of vamping to get through. Hey, but I, see, Matt, I don't like, even think I've talked passed, about it. I've realized how insignificant yeah, all of oh, these 100%. details are. One thing, well, that was that restaurant was significant. And so was the other one because I experienced them with great people and had a great time. And I can hopefully give a platform to these wonderful restaurants that totally need my help. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. kiss ass. Getting four hundred dollars uh, out of yeah. people. A, a, over, a over our Valentine's weekend, we uh, we made chicken pot pies together. Delicious, we delicious. went to dinner at Japonica, which was the first place where we had a date. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we went and took a mixology class together, which Ooh. was actually a lot of fun. The guy who you. worked it was very knowledgeable about his history of mixed drinks. Is that something you, uh, you're going you're gonna to work your way into? You're going to become a mixed drink specialist? Yeah, well, hey, Matt, here, here's a fun fact. Okay. What is the original cocktail? Is it, um, hmm. The original cocktail? The original cocktail. I assume mold wine doesn't count as a cocktail. No, no. We're talking modern definition of a cocktail. I got, I got three guesses. Okay. I'll, I'll uh, give you two. Give you two? Okay. Um, gin and tonic? No. Um, uh, um, 
Is it an old faction or a Sazerac? It's an old fashioned. Yeah. That when I thought of that, I was like, this sounds a little that sounds too obvious. Yeah, apparently because that was just the original quote unquote it cocktail. Got the name. And so then when there were more of them, people were like, I want an old fashioned cocktail. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. One of my my favorite cocktail is a uh, from one of the original first cocktail books ever released. The uh, Savoy Cocktail Book. It's a uh, 1930s recipe called the Blood and Sand, which is, I think, is a, in my opinion, a, a superior old fashioned. Hmm. Interesting. What what I'll, goes I'll into that? that? Uh, blood and Sand is three ounces of scotch, blood orange juice, cherry herring, and sweet vermouth. I cannot imagine something I would hate more than that. What, what's wrong? What do you have, what do you have wrong with blood oranges, cherries, and sweet vermouth? It was the other one. The scotch. I can't it's bl- handle scotch. It's blended scotch. You'll love it. Trust me. I'll get you one. You'll have a good time. If you don't drink it, I'll pound it, and then I'll have two more. All right. Well, on that note, we faffed around enough. It's time to take a deep dive into this big boy potty on knocking. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Five Stars Under 50, the podcast where Ben and I dive deep into Amazon Prime and other streaming sources to find those underviewed, underloved, and missed films. This week, we bring you the potentially wonderful, potentially boring 2021's Knocking, a Swedish psychological horror film about a woman's journey um, after leaving an insane asylum or a psychiatric ward. And she begins to notice something going quite wrong with her apartment. Now, this is a film that I saw arbitrarily recommended by somebody on um, Instagram, who I'll talk about later. But then the the pitch for me was, I didn't know if this movie was going to go anywhere. And then the last 40 minutes just kept going uh, in a good way. Now, I have a pretty positive outlook on this film. I have yet to hear Ben's opinion. Yeah, for the first time, we didn't actually watch this movie together. But Nor was it a 2 a.m. fever dream. That's right. The Knocking is a 2021 Swedish thriller where I Molly, just played that. by Cecilia Maloko, is a morning woman who has just been released from a psych ward. When she starts hearing knocking from a suffering woman in her ceiling, she needs to convince her neighbors that she isn't crazy. The real question, is she? Yeah, I, uh... I, that that so, made me uncomfortable. I... She <laughs> just... <laughs> we didn't know what the plot of the movie was. Let me run it by you one more time. <laughs> Molly suffers a traumatic incident due to an eerie sound from upstairs in her new apartment. As the noise grows more desperate and sounds more and more like the screams for help, 
Molly realizes that her neighbors are not listening to her when she goes there to help. In a disturbing search for truth, Molly reads that no one believes her and begins to question herself. And I question myself while watching this film. So, Matt, what happened is that you described the movie, but you did it in a very bare bones way. Yeah. I had one written out already. and I I didn't know that. And I was like, this is what I want. Well, because normally you don't prep anything. Yeah. You got to let me know what you have prepped so I can work around it. I didn't know you were going to against the go against the grain of the last, you know, 35 out of 30. Well, this, this film was written by, was directed by Frida Kempf written by Emma Bronstium and based on a short story by Jonah Therian. Now I looked up him, Jonah Therian, and he doesn't have any of his short stories listed and there's no reference. A lot of them. No. Um, And, and nothing, nothing dictates which of his films, which of his novels, this is an adaptation on and they also all, and, true and three of them four of them honestly have names that feel like they could fit this film's plot so i i watched this movie and i was about 45 minutes in it's pretty short only 78 minutes yeah that's a shocked me i was surprised and about 50 minutes in i was like this movie really wants to be good and a lot of it is really good but this has to go somewhere yeah and I'd say that it more did than didn't. Did it I, more did go somewhere than did not? Correct. Okay. I did like this movie. I was very concerned you were going to hate it. <laughs> no, no. I, I really like this movie. I think this is a movie that can't quite fill the shoes it sets out to fill. But yeah. I do think it is really good. This is essentially a modern french new wave inspired thriller yeah i mean it does the i mean it has it has swedish vibes if you've seen other swedish and like scandinavian films like the seventh seal or the original girl with the dragon tattoo trilogy or let me in this very atmospheric kind of just it feels like the film might end up being a slice of life movie before the plot really kind of like sends you on the end of the journey um where honestly it's i'd say it's very we've watched recently it's it's closest to like a teton or a raw it doesn't go that far but tonally it's very similar in that you think it's going one way but the plot just sort of loops around you until you are also fucked up yeah it, it will it it, not not in the same again similar to like how raw and tatine does which are directed by the same uh another female director um the this one kind of is similar to like climax to me where things are just happening and escalating and you know the general journey and you kind of know the direction but like you said when those when you're getting into those last 20 minutes you're like what are you going to do to commit to this narrative this struck what you've set up and I, I genuinely think it pulls it off pretty perfectly. Um, yeah, it it, it, it captures the be- tone perfectly for it, me. The atmosphere. If it was any longer, this movie would have gotten monotonous. I agree. I feel like the movie benefited from the short runtime because it mm-hmm. is a pretty played out plot. Yeah. Where everyone thinks a woman's going crazy. She's insistent. It does. She's not. And then you have to break down whether or not she is going crazy. This time around, what was really a success is that 
they really helped you empathize mm-hmm. with the main character. Frequent callbacks to the loss of uh, her partner. Yeah, I, I was yeah, I was spiraling into a mental breakdown. Yeah, really good use of chiaroscuro. Yeah, um, definitely. The use of light and dark. And the funny thing is, yep. I don't know if I even pronounced that right. But, but I, if I did, I sound really fucking smart. There, there were two things that I think set this movie apart and what made it work. And I was saying, it was, you said it was the lighting. Uh, the lighting slash cinematography, I'll lump those together. But the one thing that really, really kind of hooked me uh, was the sound design and the, sa- and the sound mixing, uh, which was done by Thomas Jaeger. Um, who inadvertently Jaeger. has, uh, yeah, I don't think it's pronounced Jaeger, but, um, we'll call it that. But he also, uh, did the sound design and sound, in, uh, was a part of the sound department of two of my other f- favorite films, which was the hunt, the 2012, uh, Mads Mikkelsen film. that's also Swedish and is one of the best movies I've seen of that year. And then one of my favorite double features of 2013, Nifomaniac part one and two, I also did was also part of the sound department on those films. So to me, the the audio in this movie really pushed it forward. Uh, like the sound, like the knocking, the persistent knocking, the way the knocking sounded, the way the it way incorporated the into the soundtrack. The itself into yeah. the soundtrack as the well. Mu- everything. Like Tatane, though. Like to your point, like where there's like certain beats where the music slots directly into the rest of the sound design so perfectly i'd say one of and i don't want to call it a big flaw i had with the movie because it's not big but i feel like it did show that you had a bit of an untrained eye compared to some of the other movies we've watched together some where you have something that's really impressive like the uh the the really intense lighting right with the performance of cecilia just fucking yes with, with Cecilia's performance, which was really good. But then it feels like a lot of the time the lighting doesn't actually have anything that it's trying to say. There's <laughs> lots of red and green throughout uh, which might be Which scenes. might be more potentially more referential to something in Swedish cinema, uh, Swedish, Swedish cinema than we really have a connection to. Maybe. It could be, yeah. But just from my perspective, mm-hmm. it makes it a bit more confusing when you know you have a scene where she goes from green light to red light and she's about to do something mm-hmm. bad or controversial okay great but then it cuts to a continuous shot and then she walks into another green light it, and it's like it, she's not expressing any sense of duality in this scene yeah. It just sort of seems like they went from okay there's a purpose for why we're doing this to Eh, this looks cool and there were a few moments throughout the movie where i was like do they actually know what they're doing with this or does it just look cool and there was more good than bad Mm -hmm. but i did notice there was a lack of restraint in certain areas yeah i i i think there some stuff was pretty heavy it was this it was kind of like brushed through like i think you would get from a um what, what I would say, like a sh- like something adapted from a short story. Like how we said, like, I don't think this movie could have been even a minute longer. Like maybe even like if you had added five minutes to the movie, you would have been like at the edge of your seat, you know, with like wanting it to be kind of getting to the point. 
And I think I think it does get to that point though. But I think I we agree. Should... I agree. the The fact that the movie doesn't drag on, it yeah. shows that they really knew what they were working with here. And honestly, the end of the movie is pretty satisfying. I'd say mm-hmm. yeah, all no, things it's... considered, because they leave it deliberately ambiguous. Yeah. Because since you see the whole movie from her perspective, you're never sure if the knocking is there and you're not sure if the radio call she's hearing is real or not. Mm -hmm. But that's not the journey you're taking. The journey you're taking is through her. So as far as you guys are concerned, this was a big success. Yeah. So let's let's walk. Let's walk everybody through. And these are going to be some spoilers for the whole movie. Um, so if if you do want to watch this movie unspoiled, which I don't really think you need to, this isn't a movie where like there's like a big like M Night Shyamalan twist at the end. Um, well, well, here let's if if you want to watch the movie, this is a great jumping off point. Matt, yeah. what would you give this movie out of five, and then we can start going into the nitty gritty. As soon as this movie ended, my thought was that is a solid four out of five. Yeah, it, me too. it's 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 me too. just that much better because of the sound design, the art style, and the performance that the not necessarily perfectly executed story, um, it, it's picked up by the quality of the cinematography and the sound. Because I was even in the beginning of the movie, it was just kind of like flowing. Um, it's very just atmospheric, very um, Seventh Seal like. I'm still entertained because everything I'm seeing is very beautiful. Yeah, um, I I was thoroughly intrigued the whole movie, which is a mm-hmm. lot more than I can say for a lot of movies. This is an easy four out of five. I don't think yeah. it's it's quite as strong as some other movies we've seen. Yes, uh, but, yeah. But I definitely think it's up there with one of the better five stars under 50 movies we've seen. Yeah, I think it, it, it's our... It's our first real perfect four. Yeah, it really is. Uh, because I, it doesn't, it doesn't hit any mind blowing high spot where I'm no. like, whoa, that is crazy. I will say it, it does have one high spot that I have to. It mention. does, it does, but not whoa. something like like with the plague. The plague had some real like, whoa, holy shit moments. This doesn't yeah. have that. It's not trying to be, so it succeeds at what it wants to be. Yeah. But it just doesn't have that. It doesn't have that it factor. That yeah, it some never of the other movies. It never goes beyond. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, like so I like some of our favorite our favorite films have been, like well, it's to put it be- to put it best. It doesn't do a Calvaire, but it very well could have. Um, yeah, because Cal- Calvaire is a movie that promises you a lot and then gives you nothing. Um, where this movie to me promised a lot by how it looked like it was going and then did some of it. It didn't do everything of it. Yeah. So there's, there's one movie I think that I wish you had seen Ben because it, I think it is one of the best parallels to this movie, which is uh, late last night in Soho, the new Edgar Wright horror film. Yeah. You, You never saw it, right? Nope. No. So in, in last night in Soho, a, fashion designer moves to soho and when she moves into her apartment she starts being inhabiting the memory of a girl who died in the apartment building and like can't stay in her apartment and slowly goes insane as she tries to find the truth about what happened to this girl now imagine this movie 
like tonally, like the the color, the intensity of the music, but it's two and a half hours long and there's like a co-star. And like that's the, like these movies, I think if you've seen Last Night in Soho and you liked it, you'll love this movie. Um, if you hated right. la- la- Last Night in Soho because you thought it was it didn't really go anywhere and it was a little too long and, and dragged itself out, you'll love this movie. Um, if you hated Last Night in Soho because you thought it was ugly and boring, you don't like good cinema, so you probably won't like this movie. Um, but Color like me intrigued. All right, I, I let's, highly let's, recommend let's... it. I w- I do well, want to say one last thing though, Ben. Okay. Just it's, it's important. Okay. The absolute best thing about this movie is that it was made by Yellow Veil Pictures, who have the coolest fucking logo I've ever seen from a film distributor. It is pretty cool, isn't it? And it opens the film, and it's the fucking like one of my be- best parts of the movie. I've been looking through their catalog of films, and there's some on here that uh, I think we're gonna get to. We might have to do a Yellow Veil Pictures breakdown because some of these films look absolutely outstanding. And Ben, let's start off by taking our, our, our fabulous guests through knocking. Knock, knock, motherfucker. <laughs> Hello. Who's there? Yeah, it's, 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 I, I'm not even quite sure how you start. Uh, it, it's, it starts with a recurring scene that we see throughout the movie, which is our main character with her uh, female partner on a beach having the time of their life and then something goes horribly wrong and that scene is explained to us more thoroughly throughout the film even though we never get a hundred percent clear picture of what happened to her spouse i and i and i think what happened that gets our our main character institutionalized and what i kind of took from this opening scene especially going back through it now i think she she then tried to kill herself i think like so I, I think what happened is that her partner drowned. Yeah, definitely. While she was napping by the uh, by by the water on the beach, mm-hmm. and then all we know after that is she falls into a mental breakdown. And there's state. an incident that occurred. Yes, there's some sort of incident, but we it's never made a hundred percent clear mm-hmm. what it is. But we know that it it psychologically damaged our main character Molly, who then. Who we then see talking to a psychologist and is getting discharged from the mental institution after a year. Now, yep. the implications they have confidence. Of this, huh? They have confidence in her. Yeah, which seems really... Because even from the beginning of this movie, I'm like, she looks a little unstable. But I had like a lot of... At this point in the movie, I had a lot of hope for this woman. I sure I, did. I knew it was going to be like a psychological kind of like teetering point film but i was like well maybe there's some kind of like happy exploration of like grief and she'll no. be able to get over the only the 78 death. minutes pal 78 minutes yeah there, there there's no happy ending for this woman unless she's right at the very end but she's not you know oh, okay we'll get we'll get into that um yeah so so then we get to see her she gets to enter this this apartment building that is beautifully shot I have to imagine this movie was made for like eight, like five hundred dollars. Like it doesn't even have a budget listed on on Wikipedia or IMDb. So I have to imagine this was like a micro budget film, but it uses every single cent 
um, with like the set design using the apartment, the exterior being very well established. Um, and then what continues to happen to our main character, Molly Ben? She uh, moves into a new apartment complex with a series of moderately pleasant to I don't want to talk to you neighbors. Yes. And everything starts to go awry when all of a sudden she hears knocking above her. She thinks it's her neighbor on the floor above her. But they say not only are they not knocking, they don't hear any knocking whatsoever. It turns out that Molly is the only person who can hear a knocking. And even in spite of calling the police, no one wants to help her or is able to help her. Yeah, and we get to see kind of Molly begin to fray and crack here. Especially after the, that, the, the genuinely creepy encounter with her very German-looking upstairs neighbor, um, who looks like a villain. And yeah, we... what's really, in one of the strong suits of this movie, mm-hmm. is that they really make sure that everything is presented to you from Molly's perspective. Yes, so at 100%. the start here, when there's knocking in between the walls you're like okay this isn't molly's like mental health issues this is like something that's actually going on yep and when it's not the neighbor you're like oh must be someone like in between the walls that was i I was like oh it's gonna be like a like a people under the stairs vibe yeah i thought it was gonna be like a haunted house gimmick or something or yeah i thought it was like malkovich maybe it could have been the ghost of her dead wife you know something fucking wacky like that but but instead, no, it it just continues to devolve to devolve further as her knocking she hears, she identifies as Morse code and she tries to transcribe it, which to is apparently a, no avail. A beautiful like number twenty three vibe. I don't did you ever see that movie, the Ashton Kutcher movie? No. Oh, okay. So this this film you could also draw some parallels to that film. It, um, the number twenty three is uh, Ashton Kutcher. I gotta look at when it came out, um, but it's a movie about how he begins to find the number twenty three everywhere in his life, and slowly goes. Oh, it's not it's not Ashton Kutcher. It's Jim Carrey. I was going oh. to say that sounds a lot more familiar. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's it's, it's the Jim Carrey movie from from two thousand seven. Um, but, like, it's in a similar scene, you see her just, like, breaking down every second. And I think I think one of the scenes that really best kind of portrays how frayed she is, where we see, get to see a little bit past her perspective, is when she's buying fruit in the market. At around 20 minutes into the movie, she decides that, that she's going to go shopping. That's one of the most understated scenes where right? she goes... She, she asks her therapist beforehand what am i don't know what i should do yeah what should i what should i be doing she asked what she should do and he says well you know try to do your old activities and so one of them for her is going to the grocery where she stocks up on about a family's worth of fruit (laughs) and maybe two people's worth (laughs) yeah i i think it was supposed to be two people's worth but even then that was a lot of fruit to get that point across well even the guy tried to be like hey you know this fruit's gonna go bad right so the despite the like overbearing aspect of that point i think one thing this movie repeatedly does is ground you in griddle gritty realism like the fact that this lady is just kind of going off the the rails and the rest of the world around her isn't just like letting it happen like they are letting it happen but they're like what's going on like are you okay and and what's really strong about the direction 
of the movie is that it mostly doesn't feel super outlandish to you either. No. Like it is, mm-hmm. and you acknowledge that it is, but it does a really good job of making you empathetic for what she's experiencing as well, which is pretty difficult to accomplish, really. Yeah, she's experiencing like a combination of like trauma, depression, this mild psychosis from the combination of the experiences and everything around her is kind of fraying at her consciousness and either she actually is hearing a woman slowly be tortured to death um, or kidnapped or kept in a room chained up or not is left completely up in the air and so you don't know whether the frayed and traumatic mind that she already possesses is actually being escalated by reality or is it just that psychosis Um, one other little quick thing that I, i wrote down that i really loved is that when she when she's buying the plants at the store she sees her neighbor that she thinks is the killer and as she's staring at him the the uh guy in the plant store says uh here if you're gonna get one you need to get two they need each other so it's such such like a jab in the heart to this character yeah sort of hammer on the skull type moment there um but yeah, so the the movie essentially continues to escalate with her neighbors mm-hmm. becoming more and more perplexed by her. She's called into an intel, a mental institution before she checks herself out. And the movie climaxes where her apartment complex is suddenly set ablaze. Well, th- before that, even then, just to mention some detail, in the last... Uh, probably starting about the 50 minute mark the the camera design for her in pov shots switch this almost like this gopro chess cam where like the camera's mm-hmm. like an inch away from her face and you get it's super very, very claustrophobic yeah as you kind of feel how like trap you know trapped she is inside of herself and yeah we get to the end of the movie and she has escaped from the psych ward she's in her apartment and things keep going i think she gets herself drunk on absinthe and yes. then and then in a in a haze of confusion she awakes to the dripping of blood on her head. Well, yeah, well, for, and, for and the, the incident that occurred, she did attack her neighbors with a knife and the for, creepy German guy did have someone in a closet which was alluded to being his mother. His sick sad um, mother. Yes. Um throughout the entire movie there's a motif of this dripping coming from the room above her which is like a small brown circle and as mm-hmm. time goes on it develops into a an upside down freddy krueger-esque pool of blood yes. but it's from there where apparently at least to her fire shoots out with a ceiling beautiful shot too i think the, the, the burning is absolutely beautiful looking over to the visual effects on that did an excellent job for real and uh she is all set to go out on her own terms but she is rescued by a firefighter who takes her out of the apartment and as they are giving her oxygen to try and resuscitate her we hear audio of a radio com which is inside the apartment complex mm-hmm. where they do indeed find a woman who's being chained to a wall against her will. They arrest the man and they save the woman. And it was and the Molly building superintendent. Molly smiles to herself. 
knowing that she helped save this woman's life yeah as we fade to credits and so my question matt is did that radio call actually happen or is that something that just got made up by molly's own mind and she's actually batshit see i want to i want to go with a little bit of both so i i personally think molly was correct i think she really was hearing these hearing someone being hurt but i don't i think her problem was she always thought it was above her and I think it was, um, which is kind of implied by the closing dialogue, that it was the building superintendent. It wasn't yeah. the sick woman. It was actually the guy who's running the building. So when she, when he was in her apartment and she said, which is another, it's one of the best pieces of writing in the movie and acting where they just say yes and no to each other about whether he had been in her apartment previously that previous that day. I think it, it it shows a real class to both performers' abilities to deliver such simple lines. But in, even in a language I don't understand, it was so captivating about the, the push and pull in that moment. Um, but I think she did accurately determine that there was some being murdered, but then she set the building on fire um, and then passed out unconscious from being drunk and smoke inhalation. Um, I don't think the fire was an accident. I think that was purely her. I don't entirely disagree with you, but I got another interpretation of the movie. All right, hit me, baby. For me, the superintendent is pretty much the building's version of everything that she's annoyed with and hates, right? Okay. I feel like since he was one of the people who was most difficult to her, if she was to imagine that someone was responsible for a woman being kidnapped it would probably be him yeah and well she initially not only thinks that, it's the german guy on the second floor well and not only that but she started shifting around who she thought it was yeah. multiple times over by that point so it'd be in line with her reasoning beforehand another thing to add on to that is that if that guy is responsible what happens to the the fire like how does the fire start i think Molly i think starts it. see i think that the fire is actual i i think the thing in the ceiling might be like an old gas pipe mm-hmm. that's leaking out into her room potentially okay. mm. and so like she's getting like gas fumes which is why i i know this probably isn't it okay i'm just offering a theory here this is this yeah this is this is a a a film theory yeah so there's that ring right so what if there's a loose gas pipe (laughs) that's leaking gas in so she's not going crazy but she does have severe gas inhalation issues which is why she's acting so fucking bizarre. That that's why this movie could have never been made in the United States, because that's exactly <laughs> what an executive. He'd been sitting in a room. He's like, "All right, so you got this movie." And this girl goes, "What if it's a gas pipe?" And hear me out. It's leaking gas through the ceiling, and she goes insane. It can be it can be a message about overuse of gas in this country. Yes. 
Yeah, it's a message. Broke it. I Ten million dollars. Was was on dock to produce this movie. Um, well, thank you, thank you. He's getting back in the ring just like I am. Yeah. So anyway, I honestly I feel like the I, I feel like the audio is made up. Really? Okay. So you think that's in her head? I, don't, I do. I don't think she hears that. I think it just happens. No, but see, that's why I think it's fake. Oh, because she smiles. Because yeah. she smiles, so you're acknowledging that she hears it. Yeah, it is all. But the fact that it's from so real. far away would suggest that she's just making it up in her mind. So it's like the ending of Shutter Island. Yes, it's like where it's like it's he know he he is out of the delusion, but he's choosing to let himself die. Where in this one, she she's stuck within the delusion. And her acknowledgement of it shows that she has truly gone insane. Or truly is insane, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing it doesn't explain is what happened with the fire. But she was drunk and smoking. So, yeah, you know, I think... Well, because she... I, yeah, I, cause I, right I think we're the, sort of led to believe... I think it's sort yeah. of intended to believe that... She lit the, the fire is started by her. Well, she spills a ton of liquor on the ground, then lights a cigarette, and it, it gives a lot of. Well, like so, like. It, it, at, well, and we at, don't, and like, we don't see her drop the cigarette. I don't think. Well, actually, or if we do, we don't see how it lands. So at at, at eight minutes, the blood stain on the ceiling kind of looks like an actual like living heart. And yes, that's when she like jumps out of bed, and we get this like fucking outstanding like two inches from the face GoPro footage. And she like desperately tries to light the cigarette. And then at one point she, they show the cigarette, the ember burning, but then she never, she's never holding on to it afterwards. Yeah. And in I the very that. next scene, you know, the, the fucking house is on fire as she screams, which so then, I think so does lead it, credence to the fact that she might not have intentionally let the building on fire, but she right. definitely did. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Just because I feel like the, the imagery of the ceiling on fire while mm-hmm. really cool doesn't really make any actual real life sense. No, no, it's and, definitely and I, part of her psychosis, but then you see yes, the... it's, it's part of the psychosis, but I don't think the actual visual of that is something that's actually happening. No, 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 no I agree. I think she's Wh- just which would it. also once again link credence to the idea that no one's guilty and there is no woman because you know she's seeing shit now Mm -hmm. and then afterwards she'd be hearing things over the radio intercom yeah and she and clearly it's her having like fully kind of embraced the delusion right like she's come she's come full so well i mean really i mean if you're that insane what's the way to get rid of the knocking you light the building on fire fucking place down yeah can't hear the well, knocking. But no, but the... she even heard the knocking I know. in the um in the asylum. In that's the how asylum, you know. Yeah. That's how you know she's fucked. Right. Like that. That was a great piece. Of, I'm glad they didn't. Honestly, so like a movie. A movie that deals other. There's a lot of movies that have dealt with grief, especially like the grief of a mother, the, the grief of a partner, whether it's a husband or a wife. Um, movies like the Babadook. Movies like Hereditary where they really deal with the trauma of loss and the insanity that is driven from that, where I think those movies differ in a, in a big way is where they, they sink directly into the supernatural 
where this movie takes the AEW lens and makes it just pure reality throughout the whole film. Yeah, like the, the only movie doesn't fantasy. hold your hand if no. there's something that obviously doesn't make sense in this world. Because once again, it's not being told from a reliable narrator narrator's yeah. standpoint. And that, I think, is the real success story mm-hmm. of this movie. Because it's a really basic concept. It doesn't throw too many curveballs in there. But just how they deliver on that vision is what makes it really good. Yeah, it really it really catapults the movie forward into more than what it could have been. Again, that runtime was so expertly used. Um, you don't need another second of this movie because I can't imagine what you would add that wouldn't detract from it unless you added in like if you added forty minutes to this movie, there'd be a supernatural element to it. It just wouldn't be good. Yeah, I, it I would don't be know bad. how how would you extend this i wouldn't half hour if you were going to you'd have to add some kind of like you'd either have to make the german guy into like do a whole thing about how that was his grandma but he's torturing her yeah or like everyone on this eighth floor is systematically fighting against her like some bullshit to do a tv soap type thing my god matt we've been watching lucifer oh really i I think you and i have talked about this right yeah Did, did you see lucifer yeah i watched the first two seasons Bro, season three is the season that would never fucking end. Yeah. Every other season of the show is between, I think, 10 and 15 episodes. Yeah, they're pretty quick. For some reason, season three is 26 episodes. Woo! I think they got renewed in a weird, weird way. You've known where they're going with this season since episode two. <laughs> so, bro, it's... It's brutal. Like those shows are especially brutal. And they made it to season six. They're they're especially brutal when like you watch them back to back Mm -hmm. because they're so. Oh hello, I'm Lucifer. Funny thing, funny, 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 hibbity pip up. Oh, I have a lesson to learn. I'm not going to learn this until the end of the episode. (laughs) Oh, what's that? You mean I shouldn't be an asshole? What a lesson! Every season but five and three are ten episodes long. Holy shit! Yeah, season yeah season three is twenty six episodes. Every other season is sub fifteen. I'm feeling every single one of them, Matt. The first season was eighteen episodes. I mean, season two was eighteen episodes. Season one was thirteen. Man, the the number of episodes that Lucifer got it fluctuates a lot. All right, well, back to the movie that matters. (laughs) All right, well, back to the knocking, knock, 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 knock. I give it four knocks out of five. Really pleasant viewing experience. Nice, snackable. If you're looking for, like, a nice, easy thriller, I I I think that... I struggle to say this is not easy. Straightforward. Straightforward. It's yeah. it's not it's yeah, there's not a lot of ambiguity. This it's is like too this intense. is like the fight club of thrillers. Like you feel smart yes. when you're watching it. I think I think this movie should really be watched um for Cecilia M- Miloko's performance. Um yeah, I real. think she crushes it. She's the without this without her this movie would be god awful. If you put a bad actress in the leader of this film, the emotion of the film goes completely out the window and go, it goes into supernatural like muddledness. Now this movie has 27 
reviews on on Amazon Prime. Ben and I will be adding reviews 28 and 29. Um, please go out there and give this movie a watch. If you do watch it, definitely review it. Um, try to get this movie as much attention oh, as it can. Nice. It deserves it. Uh, thank you for the person who shouted it out to me. Um, and I highly recommend you guys go and take a look. It's three and a half stars on uh, on Amazon Prime as a, as a crime. This is a, easily a four uh, to a five star Amazon Prime film, and it is well worth your time. Well, I think that's I think that's an episode yeah. in the books, Matt. Kind of, we dip we dipped it in and made it feel pretty. Oh shit! This was oh. on Shutter. I didn't need to spend money on this stupid movie. It's on well, Shutter for free, everybody. <laughs> well, I guess that's how we're ending it. <laughs> no. Well, oh, yeah. To wrap, yeah. Just to really wrap it up, please go and check out this movie. This is a uh, not a debut film from the from the director, but one of her first her first. Actually, this is her de- f- debut. F- this is her debut um, fiction um, release, and her not first debut non short. Um, she's made only made documentaries and short docs before. This is her first feature length film. Highly recommend it. Keep an eye on uh, both Frida Kempt and cecilia however you say her last name now ben what do we have coming up in the future for our charmers out there uh i don't know me neither more <laughs> interviews probably another episode of five stars under 50 i think very soon and a whole bunch of sexy swimsuit Ooh, calendar coming soon girls 2023 swimsuit calendar it's all ben's feet and if you don't like the January calendar, you oh. switch it to February, then Ooh. March, and then April, because sometimes the fourth time's the charm. Good night, everybody! Ooh. Like, subscribe. Good afternoon. Good morning. <laughs>